Welcome to Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. Celebrate food and life by learning about the culinary scene around the world. Speaking with chefs, artists and food makers, farmers, authors and tastemakers who are passionate about everything delicious. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. I'm spreading good cheer this holiday season and I welcome you to a full hour of delicious conversation. This is the best of food and drink culture, where I deliver a chef's perspective, recipes, and culinary insight from the greatest thinkers across the country to eaters like you across the country. And just by tuning in, you show your great taste. Whether you love to cook or love to eat, maybe you're an aspiring culinary student or a Food Network junkie who makes really great reservations, you are bound to find something you will love on this show. Not only do I talk food, I touch on tech and trends, health, wellness, lifestyle, and more. And it's my goal to feed your soul. So if you're looking for recipes for an upcoming holiday party, preparing for a Thanksgiving feast, or you want to give the best gifts, those are gifts of food this season, then I hope you'll check out chefjamie.com where I'm always serving up seconds and that you'll become a friend and a fan on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on social at Chef Jamie Gwen. But if you happen to have missed a show, you can find podcasts on iTunes under Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwen. We do have a full and exciting show today, so let me tell you what is on your plate. Coming up in just a little bit, author Kate Winslow is sharing the best of onions. In fact, you might not be an onion lover, but this conversation is for you because they're the basis of every great recipe, whether it be onions or shallots or garlic or scallions. They really do impart extraordinary flavor, and that's why you see them popping up in almost every recipe that you explore. So stay tuned. There's some really insightful gastronomic conversation coming up. Before the end of the hour, charismatic speaker and influencer Michael Gelb will be here. His new book, The Art of Connection, just released, and he's going to make the conversation at your Thanksgiving table with family and friends that much easier. So we'll connect before the end of the hour as well. But first, allow me a quick recap. I think it's always good to have uh, a bit of a reminder when it comes to Thanksgiving feasts, just four days away, by the way. Let's talk turkey, shall we? I think it is important to note that it is the biggest meal, often considered the biggest meal of the year, and a refresher course is often valuable. So uh, let's start at the beginning. You've hopefully bought your turkey by now. If you're buying a fresh turkey, you've ordered it and you're about to pick it up in the next day or two. If you bought a frozen turkey or you're planning a frozen bird, Today is the day because you certainly don't want to be caught with that beautifully golden brown and delicious exterior and that frozen interior. It does happen to many great cooks. So you want to be sure to thaw your turkey completely before you brine and or deep fry, roast, or grill. And thawing in the refrigerator is the best method. So defrosting a frozen turkey in the fridge takes 24 hours for every four pounds of turkey. That means your 16-pound bird will take four days. That means today is the day. Now, if you find yourself short on time, you try the cold water 
thawing method where you place the turkey in its wrapper breast side down in cold water. And I repeat, cold water in the sink to cover. And you change the water every 30 minutes. And you estimate that it takes about 30 minutes per pound of turkey to use the cold water thawing method. Now, mind you, with all of these tips, you should know that I am a fresh bird kind of girl. There are so many beautiful heritage turkeys available today. The prices have come down. Now is the time to elevate to a fresh turkey. And today is the day tomorrow uh, to make sure that it's not only ordered, but even easier, picked up and placed in your garage refrigerator so that it's roaring and ready to go for you when you go to brine. Now, I believe in an overnight soak in a brine, which is that salt water solution that gives your turkey this wonderful chance to absorb not only moisture, but seasoning. Now, I say brine your bird no matter what method of cooking you plan to use. And to brine your turkey, you need to find a container large enough to submerge the turkey in the brine. An extra large stock pot works, um, a bucket lined with a clean, heavy plastic bag, like an unused trash bag works great. And for the brine, you should keep this calculation in mind. You need one cup of kosher salt to every one gallon of water. One gallon is four quarts. There are four cups in a quart. That's 128 ounces. But just consider that you want a well-seasoned brine because this is a big piece of protein. Now, you want to season the brine for added flavor. You could use slices of citrus, uh, peppercorns, bay leaves, fresh herbs. I like a little sweetness. I throw in sugar, preferably brown. You could use white. Uh, You could use molasses in addition or honey as well. And when it comes to amping up the flavor of your brine, here is my best tip for brining for 2017 Thanksgiving. Um, Try apple cider in place of water or brine in sweet tea. It is so delicious. And you use that liquid and season it just the same as you would if you were using plain water, but you will get elevated, not only flavor, but tenderness as well. Now, if you're roasting your turkey, uh, the trend is not to stuff, to stuff or not to stuff. That is the question. Uh, It does take certainly longer to roast a stuffed turkey, and there is still concern of the risk of bacteria contamination. Now, um, I love the flavor of stuffing. I love stuffing any way I can get it, in fact, but I like stuffing from a casserole dish because the edges and the top get all crunchy and the inside is tender and delicious. I'm making my stuffing in a bunt pan this year for increased surface area, and maybe you'll consider it as well. Um, And I will say, I did see uh, a chef do a, a great thing. What a terrific idea. If you really love stuffing in your turkey, which there's never enough to go around, but I actually think that's for the cook, that stuffing. Here is um, the best uh, method or preparation for a, a stuffed turkey after the fact that I saw recently. When you take the turkey out of the oven and let it rest so that its juices recirculate, you can always take some of the cooked stuffing, maybe make a separate casserole dish that's already baked so that any eggs or raw ingredients have been cooked already. You stuff that stuffing inside the cavity of the bird while it's resting 
How brilliant is this? And so the natural juices that circulate throughout the turkey will drip into and elevate the flavor of the stuffing there. The stuffing's already cooked and it's just enough, right, to have a few secret portions. Uh, But you get all the brilliance and benefit of the flavor without the extra long time in the oven. And I think that's fabulous. I plan to do it as well. Now, if you're roasting a turkey, here's some interesting information. Uh, It used to be that when you tested your turkey for doneness, the oven-safe meat thermometer was supposed to go up to 180 degrees, and that was in the dark meat between the thigh and the breast, making sure always that the thermometer does not touch the bone. The new ruling from the USDA is that turkey only needs to come to 165 degrees to be safe. So make note of that and know that the turkey will continue to rise in temperature at least 5 to 10 degrees as it rests outside the oven. So you can go up to about 160 safely and still have a moist, tender bird. If you happen to feel adventurous Thanksgiving, you should deep fry your turkey because it makes the most absolutely succulent turkey I've ever had. It's crispy and beautifully golden on the outside. It's super juicy and tender on the inside. And by the way, it's the quickest way to cook a turkey. Takes about three minutes per pound. Then of course, if you haven't had a grilled turkey and you have a rotisserie like I do on my Twin Eagles grill, uh, I will say it is absolutely a scrumptious way to have Thanksgiving with smoky, fabulous flavor. I recommend you cover the wings with aluminum foil as I find that they tend to burn quickly in the cooking process. And if you need more turkey tips and insight, along with recipes for stuffings galore, cranberry chutney, uh, you'll have it coming out your ears, in fact, because I love cranberry sauce, so there are multitude a multitude of recipes, rather. Uh, please visit chefjamie.com, and I will give you everything you need for a delectable Thanksgiving feast. And please don't touch your dial because there is lots more culinary landscape to share. Right here every Sunday, you can elevate your tastes because we are rich on flavor. And the culinary conversation continues right after this. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Be right back. Peeling back the layers of flavor in your radio, Chef Jamie Gwen here. We're talking onions today. And if you can't imagine cooking dinner without building depth of flavor from caramelized or charred or slowly sweated onions, well, then this conversation is for you. Kate Winslow, a former editor at Gourmet, has a new cookbook release entitled Onions, Etc. She's sharing essential recipes for allium, 
That is the classification for the flowering plant that includes hundreds of species of cultivated onion and garlic, scallion, shallot, leeks, and more. And Kate is here to dish. Hi, Kate. Glad to have you. Thanks so much for having me. I'm yes. thrilled to be here. Oh, well, thank you. The book is beautiful. Um, and congratulations to Guy, your husband as well. The photography is just thank you. bright and brilliant. And I would love to start with a bit of your family history, please. So... When it comes to onions, there might be one quintessential recipe uh, in your family lines. Can you teach us to make fried water and share the story, please? (laughs) Fried water is actually a recipe from Guy's family. Yes. He comes from a big Italian family um, in New Jersey, which is where we live now. Um, And this was a dish that we heard about, we've been hearing about for a long, long time uh, from his mother and from his aunt's that they talked about their mother making for them, um, which was when, you know, those days when there was not much food in the pantry, maybe not much money in the bank. and yes. But it was something that their, that their mother could make, and it was extremely comforting. Hmm. And it just started with um, cutting onions, one onion per person, you know, who was ever going to have dinner, slicing them thinly, and then cooking them slowly in lots of olive oil until they were really soft and golden, and then just adding some water to make the easiest broth that you could imagine and letting that cook a little bit, uh, you know, with some salt and pepper. And then whisking some eggs together and slowly stirring the eggs into the simmering soup um, and, and whisking away until they make nice soft strands. And then taking that soup and just pouring it over um, dried husks of bread, you know, whatever stale bread they had so that the bread would soften under that hot broth and Mm. um, just kind of help thicken it. And that was what they would eat. And it just, it was one of those dishes that was extremely simple, but has become a favorite over time. I think it sounds like the ultimate family comfort food recipe. The cross between like the making of French onion soup and egg drop combined. Yes. Yes. And, And really a testament to the fact, like you said, that you can make something from nothing. And that it often starts with an aromatic, which is what I consider the onion and its family of cousins, however you call it. Um, Firstly, before we even talk about the varieties of onions, how do you fight back the tears? Well, I (laughs) find, (laughs) I find different times of the year, the onions are, they will affect you differently. In the spring, when the onions are fresher, um, they are a little bit juicier. I find them less sulfurous, which is what can cause those tears. And so they're easier to deal with at that point. You know, now we're getting into the, the storage onions, and they are definitely more pungent, a little bit stronger. And so these are the onions that I find make me cry more often than not. Um, I, you know, some people really swear by chilling your onions before you slice them that that will help lessen um, lessen the the, the potential for tears. Mm -hmm. I have bad eyesight, and so I wear contact lenses. And I find wearing contacts really helps protect my eyeballs. You know, there's just a barrier right there. And when I wear my eyeglasses, it's, you know, it's open season. I'm just there sobbing over the cutting board. (laughs) Um, I do have friends who also wear swim goggles, and they swear by that also. I think it's one of those things, if if the onion is is a teary onion, it's just going to be teary, and you have to kind of work your way through it. And just sort of embrace it in a way. Yes. And if you want to challenge it, I like the tips that you shared. You can chill them either in the refrigerator or in an ice bath. And that Mm -hmm. does tend to work. I I have um, 
I can tell you from experience proven that the cracker technique uh, does not work. And that you, holding a cracker between your teeth. Yes, right. And d- yes. doesn't everyone look ridiculous doing that? Um, I think right. you just have to, you know, push through it. Using a really sharp knife does help. Yes. Um, because a, a, a duller knife, it just kind of tears open all those cell walls and kind of rips them and mashes them. For sure. Whereas a sharp knife cuts through them more cleanly and, and kind of gets gets the job done a little more quickly. And, and it's a really, thank you, it's a really nice reminder as we... Uh, approach and embrace the holiday season that now is the time to have your knives professionally professionally sharpened or if you stone or steel at home it's a good time to do it so that you're prepared um, for the dicing of onions for stuffing and more Uh, so speak to the season's onions right now if you would what's available uh, what you love and how you use them choose a few well right now I'm I'm just really reaching for the yellow and white and red onions. I mean, they're the ones that are um, that are truly in season, um, either at the grocery store. I mean, you're going to find them all year round at the grocery store. But also um, our local farmers are having, you know, they're, they've just finished curing all of their onions, and they're just beautiful. Um, and I love to use yellow onions right now for exactly the kind of cooking that you want to be doing at this moment. It's finally getting chilly here. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to braise, we want to roast, we want things to cook for a long time in the oven. And these onions, which are more pungent, like I said, are perfect for that now because they're cooking really, really slowly. That pungency is giving way to that really mellow sweetness that you get from long, slow cooking. And it just, you know, transforms those onions into a, a, to a different thing. Um, at the same time, I love the red onions because you know, I think red onions could be my favorite just because their color is so beautiful. And um, and they take beautifully to pickling, and then their you know their color really really pops. Um, they're beautiful roasted, cut into wedges and roasted, or or used for a, a galette or a frittata. Mm. Um, and I think their flavor might not be so terribly different from the yellow onions, but they provide that beautiful pop of color which we love in the winter. Yeah, that they do. I happen to be a red onion fan as well, and I don't think they're any more or less pungent than the white. Um, although I always reach for a sweet onion. And it doesn't matter where around the world it comes from, but I find that it does caramelize better. Uh, If you're looking for slow, long, very sweet caramelized onions with all of your research and experimentation, would you agree? I do. I I do usually use sweet onions when I caramelize onions, and I don't find I need to add any sugar. I know a lot of recipes call for adding sugar for caramelizing but I don't, I don't, I've never done that because I just feel like, you know, if you take them long enough, and I think you need at least 45 minutes. I've never had recipes where they say, you, you know, you'll be car- caramelized in 20 minutes because it's simply not enough time. You really no. just have to take it low and slow and give it time. We have more ideas and chef's tips to make every day delicious right after this. Don't go away.
We're back and we're dishing Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Let's talk about some of the other, there are other varieties available. Yes, Cipollini are spring, um, but shallots are always available. Um, Garlic comes in a multitude of varieties. I happen to love shallots. I think you get the best of both worlds in onion and garlic. And they're especially delicious, crispy, and almost overcooked, in my opinion. Shallots are great. I think um, a lot of people don't think of them too often, and they're great to have around. We always make our salad dressing, our vinaigrette with shallots, so we always have them for that. But it's also nice. anytime you need a small onion mm-hmm. or just not much onion, you can often just grab a shallot, and that'll be the perfect amount. Yeah, very, very um, smart. Yeah, easy to peel, easy to work with. Um, they're, they're a great allium to have on hand. And how about pearl onions? Do you use them at the holidays? I do, I do. And um, we make a really lovely um, pearl onion tart to tan, which is um, a really nice way and sort of an unexpected way to use them. Fabulous. I, I have Love to say I've, I've kind of become a bit of a fan of the frozen pearl onions that you can find. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially if you're doing it for around the holidays, I think it can be a good convenience if you're making creamed onions or caramelized pearl onions, something like that, you don't have to spend all that time peeling them, which can, you know, put some people off. So it, uh, that can be a good convenience right now. Yeah, definitely. I'm all about that. And that's very real, right? We love the convenience of today. Um, and we love yeah. the recipe inspiration. So will you stay with me, please? I'd like to take a quick break. But when we come back, sure. thank you. There is more with Kate Winslow. We're talking onions, etc. And recipes from around the world right after this. Trust me, you're going to want to learn to make Horus. So the delicious conversation continues right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. We'll be right back. Three, two. We're back and we're dishing Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. Kate Winslow, the author of Onions, Etc. The new book release available on Amazon and everywhere. You'll want to add this book to your collection. Shares the best of Allium. The species of onion, garlic, scallion, shallot, leeks, and more. And we're sharing scrumptious inspiration. Kate, we left off. um, I mentioned recipes from around the world. I love that you touch on the ethnic inspiration. And I want to make hurus. That's a wonderful recipe. And um, one that we learned about through the pages of Paula Wolford's book. Yes. Um, You know, the great great cookbook Mm -hmm. author and authority on, on... you know, Mediterranean and Middle Eastern cooking. And this is, um, it's a a spice blend or a paste that starts by um, fermenting onions with turmeric for just a couple days um, and then blending them with a bunch of red chilies, dried red chilies and caraway, coriander, cumin, black peppercorns um, and some cinnamon and salt and just making a, this brick red paste with it and then sticking it in the back of your fridge and forgetting about it because um, it, needs, it needs time to get really good, um, at least a month. But we've had ours in the fridge, you know, for over a year, and it's still wonderful. Um, and we use that to add flavor to um, lamb, to grilled vegetables, to any kind of roast meat. Uh, it, can, it just adds this deep, um, complex flavor, not particularly spicy, but very well yeah, very, I would imagine like very round in its yes. flavor profile because you have the fermentation, which we know mm-hmm. is 
um, a, a hot and fabulous flavor today. And then you have the chilies and the spices and the olive oil all combined. So now is the time to make it if we want to put it out with roasted meats for uh, a Christmas feast or um, a holiday party. I can't wait to put it on everything. Like I want to put that on eggs in the morning. Yeah, it's delicious. That's, yes. I mean, we, we have fried eggs in that. I mean, mm. you can use it in, a, in um, a similar way that you would use harissa. Yes. It's not quite as spicy, um, but it's, it's wonderful. So I, I like to make a big batch so that I know I'll just have it around um, as long as I can. And then leave us with fried shallots and the bonus of shallot oil, please. This is, I think anyone who makes fried shallots, you just... You eat them, and then you just want to have them around all the time because mm-hmm. they make you want to you, you want to take them and fry them so they're really deep golden brown and crisp, um, and uh, they're wonderful scattered on top of salads um, over a rice bowl. Mm. They're just something you want to have, and they'll keep. You know, if, if you store them correctly, they'll keep they'll keep for a day or two, um, and then afterwards you have that oil that they've fried in that has been totally fragranced with those shallots and have taken on that deeper color and deeper flavor. And then that's wonderful, you know, drizzled, um, used for cooking or for drizzling over um, almost anything, you know, over your eggs, over a salad. Um, it's, it's a wonderful thing to have. That it is. I would take fried shallots and or fried shallot oil any day. It's good. Just delicious. Good yeah. Congratulations to you. The book is um, really a, a beautiful work of art. Um, and full of recipes and inspiration. And I thank you very much for sharing your passion. Congratulations to you and Guy and continued success to you. Um, And thank you again for sharing those recipes. We will post them on social at Chef Jamie Gwen. And of course, you can follow uh, Kate Winslow and Guy Ambrosino at And We Ate. The book, Onions, Etc., is available on Amazon and everywhere. And from the classics to their family favorites to some really surprising recipes, you will find uh, onion-centric dishes that delight. And I will say, it really is um, an inspiration. So thank you again, Kate. You are welcome here anytime you have a new recipe creation or you want to dish. Thanks so much, Jamie. (laughs) It is such a pleasure talking with you. Thanksgiving is just four days away, and family and friends will soon gather to feast. But have you thought about those awkward holiday table conversations that arise when we gather? Of course, everyone is entitled to differing views, but when it comes to the dinner table, we all know that you can get talking over turkey. The Art of Connection by Michael Gelb, also the author of How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci and several other bestsellers, is a guide to creating, maintaining, and developing that genuine rapport with others. He proves that connection is the research-validated secret of happiness, health, longevity. It's also especially relevant on a personal basis as we approach the holiday season. And Michael's book is a guide to help you communicate more effectively. So I am delighted that Michael Gelb, author and charismatic speaker, who also teaches at the University of Virginia's Darden School of Business and the London Business School, is here to dish. I'm glad to have you, Michael. Welcome. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. Well, thank you. Okay, so yes, the awkward dinner party conversation does arise, and we should be using your seven skills uh, to make sure that we have a peaceful feast, right? We want to come out of Thanksgiving feeling more grateful, not anxious, miserable, and stressed. 
Thank you. On top of full. Um, so talk us through, if you would, the skills. Uh, the first I loved from the book, uh, and that is something I think we all aspire to do every day, embrace humility. This is the beginning of everything hmm. because humility yields curiosity. And one way you can transform the dynamics of relationships, especially when those relationships can be a little bit difficult or, or trying or stressed, is to take a fresh, open view towards people that you're interacting with. And obviously that's especially important with one's family because you've known them all your life. Uh, but if you go in with this open mind with a sense of receptivity and genuine curiosity, maybe learn something new about these folks, it, it, it's kind of disarming and it opens people up and creates a much more positive environment. I have to agree that there is something to be said for getting ahead with humility, because I find if I put myself in that place, that I'm more open to hearing the conversation, to listening, to learning. And it's a lesson that's, that's very challenging to master. Well, this is the thing is, is people, and especially today, there seems to be a lot of arrogance going around. Oh, no doubt. A lot of uh, assuming that one's point of view is the only valid point of view, and not just disagreeing with people with whom one has different points of view, but actually demonizing mm. others and turning them into the enemy. Yes. And if we're curious, we can look at even people whose, whose views are very different from ours. It's, I'm really curious, what are the underlying needs that someone feels that motivates them to hold those this is insightful information to make every day delicious chef jamie gwen in your radio we'll be right back I like, too, that you speak to one of the skills being a glow worm, that emotions are contagious. You really can spread positive energy. And, and people underestimate just how much effect they have on one another. So emotions are contagious for better or for worse. Right. So one of the principles really strongly emphasized in the book and in the seminars that I lead is being conscious about what you want to catch and what you want to spread. Right. Uh, and and this, is, this is true for everyone at every level, but it's especially true if you are a parent or if you're in a senior position in an organization. People are deeply affected 
by your moods, by your attitudes. And if you can develop more consciousness around those, you can have much more positive influence on everybody you meet. Yes. And in doing so, you have to, um, you have to let go, as you speak about in the book, of taking things maybe too personally at times. And that was a really um, interesting uh, lesson for me in reading about the three liberations you speak of to, to sort of shift from what interferes with you connecting is that right? Yes, yes. I mean, the first thing that, that tends to interfere with us connecting is, is our tendency to view everything from the perspective of whether we like it or we don't. Mm. And everybody's entitled to their opinion, but if you only see the world from the perspective of your opinion, well, you're probably not seeing the world very accurately. So, so learn to suspend your opinion and if you can look at things in a more objective way. And then don't take it personally, whatever it is, because guess what? It isn't personal, even yeah. if it seems that way. Right. How, how do you do that? Because uh, it's, you know, it's one of these things. It, it, most people would agree that's probably wise, but how do you actually do it? And I found the simple exercise when you catch yourself feeling caught up or offended or somebody's pressed one of your buttons as relatives have a special gift for doing, <laughs> ask yourself the question, how would I respond to this if I did not take it personally? Mm. And then the third of the liberations is to liberate yourself from whining, blaming, and complaining. A lot of people get together at the holidays and they commiserate, which means to be miserable together. And you're, you're lowering each other's immune systems. <laughs> And uh, you'll, you'll interfere with your digestion. Yes. So instead, focus on looking for an uplifting, positive, optimistic, loving, kind, caring way to connect with other people. If there was ever an opportunity to rise to the occasion, you certainly inspire it. So thank you, Michael. I think these are wonderful skills and tips to communicate better at Thanksgiving and beyond. The book is called The Art of Connection, Seven Relationship Building Skills Every Leader Needs Now. And the skills are timeless, but they're also especially timely. It is very relevant scientific research and practical exercises to help you uh, get ahead every day in life and to hold ourselves, I think, in the highest regard, uh, the underlying lesson here. It is all about the art of connection. The author, Michael Gelb, you can learn more at michaelgelb.com. I wish you a very delicious and a very peaceful holiday season, Michael, and I, I thank you for sharing your passion. Same to you. Thanks so much. And so that brings us to the end of another hour of delicious conversation. I certainly thank you for listening and I hope that you will tune in every Sunday to join celebrity chefs and renowned winemakers, Epicurean insiders, artisans, experts, and more as we dish to make every day more delicious. Because a meal is a terrible thing to waste, don't you think? <laughs> I'll leave you with my last bite, my last ounce or tidbit of gastronomic inspiration for the hour. I don't really know that Thanksgiving lends itself to appetizers or hors d'oeuvres for that matter, because you're about to put out a glorious feast. But when friends and family arrive, 
I often feel inclined to give them a, a taste of something with that glass of wine or a glass of bubbly, even a cocktail. So why not make a homemade cheese log? You can make it signature and something special, but very simply from ingredients that you might have in your fridge right about now. You have goat cheese or blue cheese. And so you should raid your fridge and your pantry before you add anything to your grocery list. I make a cheese log from a mix of goat and blue combined. And I make them in advance and I have them wrapped in plastic wrap in my fridge. So when neighbors stop by or a a friend stops over, I always have something on hand. I like to serve it, by the way, just cooler than room temperature, but not too cold. It's much smoother on the palate as it comes closer to room temp. And oftentimes I'll blend in a little honey or maple syrup, maybe jalapenos for heat or fresh herbs as an herbaceous twist. And then uh, at the holiday time, I throw in a little bit of pureed pumpkin, a goat cheese and pumpkin cheese log. Oh, yes. I like to coat the log in something like uh, a bevy of coatings. I mix uh, dried cranberries with chopped pistachios or cracked pepper and fresh thyme. And the flavors you can choose are endless. It's sort of like Play-Doh for grown-ups too. So uh, explore the possibilities. I'll post some guidelines to the best homemade cheese logs on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chef Jamie Gwen. I'll meet you here next Sunday for more fabulous food. And I'll wish you a delicious Thanksgiving. Please know that this is my 16th year on the radio. And I am so very grateful for food lovers and for those who have a passion to feed your soul for you for listening. I thank you for making this show possible and allowing me to share my passion. I hope that you have a glorious feast with friends and family and that your dishes come alive with flavor. Uh, More recipes, by the way, for last minute tips and Thanksgiving needs posted today at chefjamie.com. I'll meet you here next Sunday. I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off and I do hope you continue to eat well. Well,